Hi, my name is Hero Bean Stevenson, and you're listening to the All of Us podcast, where we explore and embrace mental health through the simple act of honest conversation. Before we get into it, I'd like to mention that in sharing my personal experiences and insights, I do not claim to be an authority or expert on any of the issues that might come up in the discussion you're about to hear. These conversations include in-depth discussion around various mental health-related topics, the details of which may be triggering to some. So please take care while listening. Finally, thank you for coming and enjoy the episode. Welcome back to the All of Us podcast, episode 17. I hope you're all doing well and staying healthy. The world right now, at least here in LA, seems like it's in a different place on a day-to-day basis. It's really crazy. When I was editing this recording you're about to hear, which we did about a month ago, I realized that I'd said that everything felt like it was getting a bit more normal, and now, just several weeks later, everything seems as grim as it did when it first started in March. So, really hoping that 2021 brings a little bit more consistency. For now, as they say, it is what it is, and the best we can do is remain aware and mindful and grounded, which are all just a few of the many qualities that describe our lovely guest today, Chase Cole. Chase is a singer, songwriter, poet, and multi-talented woman. She's had a pretty incredible life that's had music and soul woven into its fabric from the very beginning. She was born in Canada to a father who is a legendary concert promoter and producer and a mother who works in the music industry as well. In our conversation, Chase describes a childhood on tour, which she likens to growing up as a part of a traveling circus troupe, which I loved. I truly enjoyed recording this episode so much, as you can tell by how long it is. We cover a lot of ground, from mental health in grade school, to career and identity as a young professional, social media struggles, panic attacks, relationships, connection, and finally, the pure joy that comes with popping out of a closet and scaring someone. (laughs) Really, all the things that matter. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I hope that you enjoy this conversation between me and Chase and are able to resonate, laugh, and maybe have a little sigh of relief in hearing that it's not just you dealing with something, it's very much us too. Hi. Hey. Have someone delivering dog food to my dog in two minutes so you're just going to have to bear with me. That's, that's completely fine. Where are you? At long, I feel like this has been like an impending thing for a long time. <laughs> Um, I'm in New York. You are. You had told me also before that you're between city and upstate. Uh, my folks were renting in Rhinebeck, and I have a place in Woodstock. So back in LA. Uh, yeah, I'm back in LA. I haven't really left here very much from the beginning of of all of this. I have been to New York twice, mm-hmm. um, but now I'm now I'm here with kind of like no plans to to go anywhere again. I'm starting to I like still ride competitively and so the horse shows are starting in in the desert in Palm Springs in November so that'll be like my one yeah venturing out of LA but other than that I'm here yeah how's it feeling there it feels kind of normal now which is weird I don't know though how much of it is like 
my getting used to it versus like it becoming normal. It's kind of something I'm thinking about. Like, I feel like it's becoming more normal, but I think that it's just like me getting adjusting adjusting to this. Uh, But yeah, I don't know. I'm also just like such a homebody. I don't leave that much. Like my, like in New York and here, I just kind of like stay in my house and I stay like with the people that I all like my mom and her little circle of friends and then like my boyfriend and his family and like that's I see maybe a friend every like couple of weeks yeah <laughs> I'm very sort of insular that way too. like when I was in LA I was in LA for the first I think five months or four months and just same situation like didn't really leave my house saw like two friends that I would consistently see but otherwise yeah didn't do anything did you grow up in so this is like the first this is our first meeting which is interesting you're like another person I feel like I've talked to somebody on the the podcast like this before who I feel like I've who did I talk to who I had this thing with oh it was somebody I like really recently spoke to I forget who it is but I I have this thing where like you think oh my friend Helena who lives she's a she lives in Australia we like had never met before I followed her on Instagram for a while and like thought I knew her kind of because as you do but then like I have no idea who she is and she doesn't know who I am in real life and so yeah I feel like we have this thing but we have more mutual friends you and I than I did with this Australian stranger that's an interesting thing like where you can like connect with people but also the sort of disparity between who someone is online and who someone is more than one dimensional it's just like mind-blowing yeah it's really crazy do you do that thing where you like I feel like this is an embarrassing thing to admit you do but everybody does it where like you look at your own Instagram and you're kind of like is this me I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure once or twice I've done that and go like, like what exactly? I think recently, I mean, I think, firstly, social media is just like such a, such a interesting situation in a society, like for the human brain to deal with. But I was having a conversation, I can't remember, maybe two months ago with my mom and she made some comment, you know, because they grew up in a generation without any of it. And our generation, I mean, I'm older than you, but my generation specifically, like what is like the first generation to really get used to even people that are 10 years younger than me, they were just born sort of with a phone in their hand. It was, it's still like, I was just that generation where like, you know, in grade six and seven, like my brothers and I fought over the one, desktop computer that we had in our homes which was like that was it that was the beginning of it so it's just so interesting but but now we sort of live in this place where in terms of social media especially as a woman um like you you sort of have to play the game a little bit if you want to use it for professional reasons yeah Uh, yeah it's so interesting and I, was, I remember talking to my mom recently and her saying something like, oh, maybe so-and-so person thinks you're shallow because sometimes you post photos of yourself on the internet. And it didn't even cross my mind because I'm not. <laughs> you know, it's like, I was like, I'm a very multidimensional, normal person. But uh, 
but she was like, I'm, I'm just saying like that, maybe they would, maybe someone would jump, jump to that conclusion from sort of any woman of your generation who posts photos of, of their face on the internet. Yeah, completely. And it's also interesting how like, because of, um, cause I'm also somebody who's super wary of my, my presence on social media and like, I think about it all the time and it's something that like I've gone through phases of deleting it for a long time and then I've done the thing where like I upload it when I have a picture to post and then when I post the picture I delete it again. I just like I've gone through so many versions of social media use and um, as somebody who like naturally is like really really private uh, having this thing now and I've also never like wanted to be like a public person of any kind like I was gonna work in like art I never wanted to have a podcast or anything uh and so yeah I was like working in a gallery and like didn't my Instagram was like for me and my friends and I didn't really care but as somebody who now like wants to like I have a podcast and like I need people to listen to it so I need to be engaging but then so now I have to be on it more and like I think that's led me to thinking about it more and it's interesting something I've noticed is like I think there are certain like levels of person that we associate with the kind of photos they post so like there will be like someone who you like have really high social media respect for because they're like kind of weird and avant-garde and like post these things that are like kind of like really highbrow and like they would never post a selfie and then they like post a bikini photo and you're like oh they're that okay and they like change for you exactly or there's a lot of you know it sparks so much it's i mean it's designed to spark something from so much sort of simultaneous um, insecurity, but also jealousy, but also envy, but also sort of judgment in this really intense way. I mean, I'm, I, I imagine you're not dissimilar. The sort of, the only part that really depresses, actually there are a few, but the The part that depresses me most about it, I would say, is like, as an artist and writer and a musician, to play the game, it helps to have like a female face involved. I, I mean, I'm putting out a book of poems and I've, I've tried just posting the poems. You don't need the algorithms and because of the way that this stuff is created, the deck is stacked against us. So I post, something involving a woman's face, immediately people are more inclined to pay attention to your art. And mm-hmm. the, the shameful truth is like, if you have to play that game to get your art noticed, you have to play that game to get your art noticed. I think where I start getting uncomfortable and, and I would never be overly judgmental with someone for doing this because insecurity is such a real thing. And however people need to validate themselves is okay. But there, I see these women that I know in, in real life that are so beautiful and confident and sexy and like, and maybe they're just celebrating themselves by posting like a million nudes on it. <laughs> it's just so not my language. Like I'll barely show a shoulder. It's like so not my style. That it just, it definitely, I don't find myself being judgmental about it. I more find myself being like, comparing myself to it going am I lesser than or more than because I've I'm not do playing that version of the game oh how- so 
is your comparison like you're comparing I post versus I don't post this kind of thing like these people do post this kind of thing and I don't or are you comparing like your body to these people oh no definitely like a post okay. I go my language and this is how I choose because ultimately it's how you choose to present yourself to this tiny little one-dimensional world and that's the interesting thing about social media is like I mean it's such a mindfuck it's just yeah it's really interesting and it's interesting to see like now I definitely where like how old are you you're how old 32. 32. Okay. I'm 24. I just turned 24 recently. And like, I kind of am like looking at my friend's little siblings and seeing that like they have Instagrams when they're like 11 and 12 and like doing TikTok and all of these things. And like, I think I've like more than normal. Like, I think that in my generation, I could have been more of like a computer kid than I was. I was just by nature, like drawn to nature and being outside um, as was my brother, but I definitely am grateful that like we, I grew up on like VHS movies and like didn't have Apple anything and like got this like weird Nokia, like, or no, it was like a Sony Ericsson when I was like fifth, like 14 or something. I like, I don't know. I didn't grow up. I, when I was like 16, I asked my mom if it would be okay if I had a Facebook and she was like, if your best friend uh, her mom says it's okay and that she has one, then you can have one. Cause like, I don't know. I didn't have this. I don't know what it means. Like maybe. And then I got one and I had like three friends. Um, but yeah, it's really a strange thing to see like kids grow up. And then I also, cause it's, I one day like really want to be a mom and I'm like so quick to go jump on the train of like, my kid won't have technology. But then it's like, you kind of then putting just like you're putting yourself at a deficit by not playing the game. You're like putting your child at a deficit by not like teaching them. So interesting, especially teaching them boundaries around it because I see, I mean, I want to be a mom too, but I see it like I, I have the luxury of having three older brothers who all have kids. Mm. Um, it just teaches you everything about being a parent firsthand. And being what a screen does to a child's brain is an unbelievable thing. Yeah. It's wild. I mean, it's like so much worse than the candy that they told us not to eat when we were growing up. It's, it's so intense. And seeing the way that being, but also being, yeah, being around other children, the way that social media, like my nine-year-old niece, Nine now was like what 13 was when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's like the beginning of over-sexualization. There's, and yet they're so unaware of their own bodies still, right? Yeah. yeah. They see other girls doing it and they think that that's what they're supposed to do, but they don't even understand what sexuality is. They don't like boys. Like that's how long, young they are, you know? Yeah. But, but yet they're used to like, hearing their mothers and aunts and television talk a certain way. I mean, I was listening to my niece FaceTime with one of her girlfriends recently when I was babysitting her. And it was sounded like me and a girlfriend having a conversation. It was just so grown up and interesting and casual. Yeah. Didn't have that growing up, you know, it's, it's so bizarre. What were you like as a child? Where did you grow? What was your, what's your like child story? <laughs> 
Canada, um, in Toronto. And I loved it. My dad traveled for work because he worked in music. Mm. So my brothers and I grew up on the road. Oh, cool. um, so wasn't like normal. Definitely was strange. We, but you know, he traveled for all intents and purposes, like he traveled 300 days a year. And so, and my parents had four kids in four and a half years. So if we hadn't gone, my mom would have been at home with four toddlers. So they brought us with. And yeah. what did your dad do? Manage bands and produce tours. Cool. So, yeah, we grew up on the road. And uh, my mom was sort of like the rock, but like she's the most incredible. And uh, and we traveled, I mean, we were probably like in school four months out of the year and on the road for the rest. And so it was incredible because we got to see live music every night. We got to travel with the greatest musicians alive and sort of experience um, this bizarre, like rock and roll circus childhood. I mean, it truly was like growing up in the circus. All of our uncles and godparents and caretakers were all like aged musicians. And it was wonderful. But then as a child, you sort of get back to school at and I would come back to school after three months of being gone and the other kids would say, you know, where have you been? And there was no way to explain it. There, yeah. It's so isolating. And so the like other kids that grew up on tour with us are, have always been like our kindred. Mm. My brother are like sort of kindred people because you can't in, you can't be in second grade and coming back to school and going like, well, I was in Africa and Tokyo and Shanghai and all of these places. Um, and that's not to complain in any way because it was the most privileged, beautiful thing ever. But it was, it, I mean, the dissociation's insane. It's like it, you can't, other children just can't possibly understand yeah, so it was like I'm sure you felt well also I'm sure like a few things like you probably dealt with like you're you I don't know that this happened, but I'm assuming like kids are assholes and like I'm sure a bunch of them first of all thought you were like lying. <laughs> and then <laughs> like I'm also sure that you just felt like a level of uh like heightened maturity because you were surrounded by all of these adult like very cultured like worldly people and then you were going back to your like second grade peers and I'm sure you just were like what the fuck am I doing here I've seen so much and I feel like that actually is like kind of a great metaphor for like I guess so it's the entire life of anyone creative so you kind of just spend your whole life look thinking you're going to be a part of something and just being cast aside or rejected or feel rejected or not a part of and watching everyone else seemingly be like at the party might it, it definitely felt like that but it, i'm also really grateful it was interesting i mean 
because I felt like I didn't fit at home and I didn't really fit there because the peers that I was with on the road were the sort of genetic lottery winners that are the children of supermodels and rock stars. Mm. Um, so I was quite a normal kid um, from the time I was 12 and 13, all of my best girlfriends that I'd been on the road with were booking modeling campaigns and I had barely grown boobs and my mom wouldn't let me wax my eyebrows and I had braces. So where at home, I probably would have been normal. And this stuff starts so early in women. We develop this sense of whether it's body shame or about the way you look or not being smart enough or not being outgoing enough or whatever it is. Um, we're n none of us are ever enough or we're too much or we're something. So I think it was, it was an amazing way to grow up, but it was also deeply like interesting and educational mm -hmm. sort of be around a world that was bigger than anything that anyone that I was being raised with in this sort of small community in Canada could understand. I think it's really interesting um, when you say like when at home you didn't really fit in like with your classmates you didn't really fit in but then also in the environment of like being on the road with all of these other kids like you also didn't really fit in because like there are this other like t like top tier of children that you're like how do I compete um, they like never had an awkward face. Like they just beautifully grew into like beautiful adults, and that's fine. I, I love them. They're my siblings. Like I'm so close with them, but that wasn't the case for me. Like I had a terribly long awkward face. I'm sure it lasted for years. Did you feel at the time like I guess this would depend on like I don't know how like self I don't know, like your relationship with yourself. I guess I think when you're that age, it's like you don't have the vocabulary to really understand what you're going through and you're not as self-reflective. So your feelings are really your feelings and you're just like a victim to them. Did you feel like you were comparing yourself and like kind of shitty or did you kind of like get it and you were you like chill about? No. Yeah. Just like absolute self-loathing, but you don't even know how to process it because all you can think is why am I not like that? Why don't I have that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's hard when you're that age not to kind of compare and despair. It's like my situation was different. Like I have a – I experienced something kind of similar but in a different way where like I grew up really competitively horseback riding and like a lot of the time in school I would leave on Thursday. Like I would skip Friday and skip half of Monday. Like I was gone for these long weekends and I would show up at school like Tuesday through Wednesday – like Tuesday and Wednesday and half of Thursday and like I was not – like involved in any weekend activities because I was always horse showing. Um, so at school, like I was never like a part of a, like a, I went to Archer in LA, which is like a very clicky, it was a great school, but it's like a, it's like a private all girls school and like very clicky and never really fit into any of the clicks and was just always kind of floating around, which like I always appreciated about myself. But then, so I didn't really fit in there that much I had friends there but like just felt kind of like a floater and then at the horse shows I had my friends but like who I loved and I'm still really close with but I experienced this thing where like 
my, I was very, very lucky to horseback riding is a very expensive sport when you're doing it at a high level. And I grew up with like, luckily a ton of support, um, from my, from my parents, but I had friends who had much, much more like support with multiple more zeros on the end. (laughs) So like with like these strings of horses and like, like staffs for them. And these like 13 year olds had like a staff, like a cold barn operation. And I was just like, so I'm like not really fitting in at home. And I'm in this like really intense, really singular, weird, unique world that like 0.001% of teenagers grow up in. But I also am kind of in like the lower end of this world. So it's like kind of weird. Yeah. You're just like, I can't like, I, I think I knew I was too smart to get involved in like a lot of the sort of school yard bullies shit that like the world wants to drag you into even though I experienced all the bullying and all the things that you could possibly experience but yeah you um, you almost just like never you never feel enough mm-hmm. it sort of chases you or can if you don't work through it and I know it's still stuff that despite like the fact that I am like deeply confident and have done the work to find out exactly who I am and like so in my skin like on a bad day it's that's the default it's always goes back to that from the time we're children you know Mm -hmm. um because all this mental health shit follows us from the time that we're little you know yeah it comes back you know and then it turns into so many other things it turns into like for women, it turns into body stuff, which turns into eating stuff, which turns into beauty stuff. As we get older, it turns into certain women getting too much work done. You see this all the time. You see 65-year-old women in Beverly Hills who have that same face and do whatever you want with your face, but all that is is just people not thinking they're beautiful enough as they are. Yeah. Yeah, it is really interesting how things follow us. And, like, even when – um like I, it's definitely taken me a lot of, like, I'm still very young. Um, but, and so I feel kind of ridiculous in saying this, but it's taken me like a while to come to have like the relationship with myself that I do. And, um, this kind of like understanding of mental health and its importance and its intricacies. I think like, I definitely do have like a good understanding of it and like one that I really respect and I'm lucky to have, but even so like, I deal with the shit that I've been through and the shit that it's turning into every day. Like there are new aspects of my, like pretty much like a lot of people would say, and like, I don't see my like eating disorder therapists anymore. So I'm like healed, but there are like new versions of it popping up all the time where I'm like, Oh, this is new. And I didn't know that a new part of this could come up because I'm healed, but I'm not healed because no one is ever healed. And the thing is, is I was literally right before we hopped on this, having a conversation about that. Um, it's about like, there's just, I mean, I don't, I don't know about what happens in schools now, but I feel like it's safe to assume, at least when I was growing up, there is no education around mental health. And I am like a long, long time uh, sufferer of panic attacks, like, mm. long, like since I was 17. And they used to be just around flying, which is bizarre because I fly like 
in, during sort of pre-COVID normal lifetimes, probably more than anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would just like, you know, figure it out, take a pill, whatever. And then, um, you know, in the last couple of years, it's just gotten like unmanageable. I mean, I, especially now with everything going on in the world. And so I've just been doing some reading about it. I mean, I'm like a very avid reader because I don't like to watch TV that much. So I read a ton. And um, and they, there's, there are so many interesting stats around it, but in, I think it's 2018, 93% of all ER visits in America, which is like something like 1.5 million ER visits were anxiety related. Mm-hmm. And it's just so interesting. And so then like on top of that, I think about like, okay, I think about all the people suffering from anxiety who didn't have the balls to go to the ER because I've had panic attacks for as long as I can remember. Um, and they're debilitating, like truly like can't get off the floor and mine last a long time and it turns into a migraine and it's just awful. And there's no, and I, uh, I'm like as in touch with my anxiety as, I imagine anyone that could be like, I make sure I exercise, I eat well, I sleep enough, I don't drink a lot, I meditate, like I do everything that I could possibly, I go to therapy, all of the things. And still, like they hit you and they hit you out of nowhere and like I'm out for a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about all these people that don't have the balls to go seek help or simply don't know. And, and it's, yes, Sex education is also obviously a massive issue, but mental health education is in in like the Western world, sort of, so to speak, is it's just non-existent. No, it's completely not. That's honestly one of like the big like motivations of me starting this podcast is like, and something I talked about from the very beginning is um, like when I first started like my eating disorder started when I was like 17 I was bulimic in high school but it's interesting because at the time like I didn't know I was bulimic I thought I was like doing something that made me feel less stressed out and I was like oh this is not like works for me it's a secret because I like know it's pretty fishy and weird and this is not normal but I didn't know what was going on and the only like my high school which was a pretty progressive like a pretty progressive high school that like if a if a school was going to be on the bandwagon of like mental health awareness and all of that it was going to be like private school in LA that has the funding for that and like the only I learned they taught us in human development like how to drink responsibly in college and like how to like manage your anxiety testing for like SATs and also like maybe if you're gay not anything else, but like if you are gay, like how to come out to your parents. But I didn't learn anything. The only thing about like mental health and not, I didn't learn anything about mental health. Uh, and then the only thing I learned about eating was the like food pyramid triangle they show you in PE. That's it. And I went to like, a, I mean, I moved around schools a lot because I was just always very unhappy in school um, until one day my mom was like, just get through it like it sucks wherever you are just finish and you'll be fine um and she was right but but I was at an all-girls school for grade eight and nine maybe seven eight and nine in Canada and I was in a particularly 
difficult sort of trouble-ridden grade where the girls in my year, I mean, it, like riddled with eating disorders. Like you would go into the bathroom at lunch and there was these long stalls and it was like one girl after another, you would just hear them all throwing up in mm. that. And then additionally, those girls were, I mean, the, 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 they were all white blonde girls were the thinnest, they were the best students, they were the most favored by teachers, and they always had the best dates, you know? So it was just an interesting little tiny bit of education into the way that like maybe the world was working at that time. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and probably who was experiencing the most anxiety, but we didn't see it like that. We just saw it as like, oh shit, I'm not as much as this. Or And then when you, so you were, were you, when you started experiencing your panic attacks, were you still in high school? No, I started in college experiencing them. Um, I, in high school, I think I moved around so much. And then I, I ended high school at a boarding school. Um, and really like blossomed out of high school. Like just, I graduated high school early. My best girlfriend of I mean, now, like, 27 years. Um, She and I sort of agreed to graduate early together. We had both done summer school a couple times, um, just, like, extra credit, and, like, I had taken night school also. Um, And we had enough credits, and I was just like, I don't want to take a gap here, but I guess if we can figure it out how to get out of here. So, uh... Yeah, graduated early and then I moved to New York and when I was 16 and got a job and then started college nine months later. Um, And it was an interesting way. I had a much older boyfriend. Like I was living this sort of really adult life at the time um, while I was figuring out what the hell I was doing. Um, The panic attacks actually started around flying. It was just, I just had one bad flight that took me too far. Mm. And then all of a sudden I was like going to fly the next month and my, my, everything in my body was telling me not to. And then, it, you know, anxiety and life stress and always being at a different emotional space than your peers, whether it's more successful or less successful or doesn't matter success-wise, just different, you know, um, that, that'll do it. Any, I mean, look, it'll all do it. Yeah. So my experience with a panic attack sounds, I, I definitely, I know that like, I've never talked to anybody about this, but I, I can only assume, and I feel confident knowing that like, it's different for everybody as are like so many issues. Um, I feel like I've definitely experienced a panic attack. It's kind of the the thing where like I don't I think it's hard because on one end where I feel like you can be sure that like oh what I had was a panic attack it's like your experience sounds like so much different than mine that like I'm like I don't know like you can kind of never be sure of your own experience I guess and like what it can be defined as but like in my book I feel like I've definitely had a couple but mine are sort of um a little subtler and all of a sudden I'm just like oh, this is a panic attack. Like, I feel this way because this is a panic attack. 
Um, and like, I felt like I needed to go to the hospital. I thought I was having a heart attack, but it was like subtle and very much like I was aware of what was going on around me, but it was, it almost felt like I was having a, like a mental stroke or something. What is your experience look like for, with a panic attack? If you don't mind me asking. Um, I mean, they, they differ, they do, but there are a few consistent, um, for me, they kind of come in out of nowhere. Like it feels like getting hit with a ton of bricks and that's um, like the rush of serotonin and adrenaline in your body. So all of a sudden my heart will start racing. I can't take a full breath. Um, I feel like I'm gonna faint. Like if I'm standing, I need to lie down. And the biggest thing that I experience is called detachment. And it's sort of like this feeling of impending doom almost like I it's really difficult to sort of explain but it feels when I am in the middle of it I'm aware I've been having them for long enough and I'll say you know what this is you know it's gonna pass and it does you know um but it feels like you can see your whole life the world is closing in on you and you see this tiny little globe around you and the your life is this tiny little thing um, and you feel like you're no part of it, at least for me. Um, and then the last couple of times I've been getting them, it turns into a headache mm-hmm. or a migraine, which um, I've never had migraines in my life. So it's because of that, you know? Um, and yeah, I just feel like a little woozy. Like sometimes you get nauseous. Yeah. Sometimes- like you're gonna throw up at times yeah it's interesting to hear like I was expecting honestly for I didn't know this until now but I think before you started describing yours I was expecting you to like paint the picture of some sort of a dramatic event where you're like sobbing on the floor and rolling around and people people think that that's what it is breathing into a paper bag I feel like in movies that's what they always do and that's not a thing right it's not so like with mine mine are exactly what you're describing like obviously I have my own things but like all of a sudden I'll start feeling like my heart will start like fluttering I feel flighty is the word I always use like I get really like flighty feeling in like fight or flight mode and then I get this feeling of like I start thinking of the process of like, oh, like, what am I going to do next today? Like, what is is the next move? And then everything that pops into my mind seems, and this is not a normal thing for me. Like, I'm a usually really motivated person and I'm super excited to like do life. But in these moments, everything that I like kind of propose to myself as an idea for going forward, even in that moment or that day, seems totally futile because I'm like, what like life seems so insignificant and small and point not pointless because that sounds like really dark and this thing isn't necessarily like in a super it doesn't have like a super dark color but like it's just nothing se- makes sense in that moment because I'm just like what I can- nothing makes sense this is like so futile all of it yeah it's you I you get like a total um totally disconnected from everything you're connected to. And you said it's called attachment? Attachment. Detachment. That makes sense. Okay. Very common. And that to me is where, yeah, I get very sort of insular and need to just lay down and sometimes not talk to anyone or sometimes even just if it's calling a friend and just like sitting on the phone. Mm -hmm. 
saying nothing to know that because I don't you don't I mean at least for me I don't really want anyone around but it's interesting there's I mean so so many different versions of this and I I'm you know I so many people I know who like medicate themselves to get through this stuff or don't know how to process it and um it, it I don't know if there's a, short of medicating yourself I don't know I don't know that there's like a cure for it it's it just is what it is but they they're shit and they're and if if only we were at least prepared for it people because people go to the hospital all the time for them and I I have a very close group of friends that basically all have experienced some version of that um so at least I can sort of usually talk to someone at least afterward um you know, and it's just a tricky, it's a tricky thing. And I feel like this year, especially our parents' generation being um, sort of trained to the opposite, like I'm having an abnormal, and this is not trying to set myself apart from anyone because I know that a lot of people are, as a non-American, I'm having an abnormal amount of anxiety surrounding me upcoming election Mm -hmm. um and most people that i know essentially their answer is well don't because you can't control it you whether it's you can't vote or whether it's uh you know there's nothing you can do about it right now or what it's like okay but that's not helpful well, it's interesting because while, like, okay, don't, you can't control it, meaning, like, can't control the election outcome, what you also can't control is the amount of, like, alarm bells going off all around us all the time that put us into constant fight or flight mode to trigger our our panic, our panic button. Like, I talked to a doctor um, who does a lot of, like, neuroplasticity work. Um, and she is, it's for the podcast actually. And she's really cool. Um, her name's Lindsay Mitchell and she was just, we were discussing how like the, our like brains and the way that we are as humans isn't like, we haven't evolved to yet to experience this reality. Like our natural, like primal selves basically right now like the equivalent of what we deal with on a daily basis just by like going outside and existing in a metropolitan city is the equivalent of like one of our ancestors going out and like constantly being chased by a million saber-toothed tigers because like even like the billboards and the flashing lights and the instagram and the phone dinging and the alarms and like the it's all like it's all something that like would have sent us like the reason why we experience like heightened levels of like um cortisol all the time is because of all of these these triggers going on and it's interesting because like we still treat panic attacks as these like novel like some people get them but it's super uncommon and like here's how to avoid them we should be embracing this new level of panic as like very normal because it's what our environment is fostering and nurturing agree more and it's like truly the world we live in is created to induce this stuff. And yet we're told that 
anxiety is a privileged problem because people in third world Africa don't experience anxiety, which by the way, I'm sh- I, I can genuinely say I'm sure isn't true, but it's not, it's definitely not true. That's like how people say that like eating disorders are like a privileged, like white girl problem. I'm like, mm, no, I've done like a shit ton of work with like homeless shelters, like across like in New York and here and like homeless youth shelters and teens of every creed and race and like socioeconomic background I have seen deal with eating disorders much worse than mine. (laughs) And also because we, the the problem is, is we live in a society where it continues to reward the things that we are fighting against, like sin privileges. I mean, and I'm sure you know being between New York and LA and I know being between New York and LA and being a musician and a female and having worked in fashion on and off for many years, like it is a very real thing. Um, yeah. Deeply so. And uh, that's just one example. And our brains, to be honest, aren't wired. Like I think about... I think about men I know who online date, for example, male friends of mine who online date, but will never settle down because they're 35 and they have 10 million girls in their phone. (laughs) Not just the male brain, because I'm not sexist and I'm sure that women have this issue too. How are you going to pick? Yeah much overload so I guess they'll just keep going on first dates forever or keep looking for the perfect one or whatever it is that's just like a great metaphor for all of this is it's like there's a pair of pants there's the diet there's the cooking on Instagram there's the releasing our it's whatever it's too much information for our brains to process at once um, it also like all the all these options like and because it's so much like um it's advertised like these people and these prospects and like with the online dating and just instagram like it's also like visual and so and we like a lot of people obviously have like very visual ideas of like what they want and like what they want their life to look like and their partner to look like and their friends to look like and so on these apps, there is like the picture, you can find the one that suits what it looks like in your mind. And it's such a big distraction. Like as humans already, we have like, it's hard for us to like connect with what we intuitively need versus what we want. Like the picture, the feeling of what we need is so much more important than, and like healthy than the picture of what we want. That's also important. But like the feeling of what you need in here is so much more important and the issue is that like with instagram the picture of what you want is so there is no acknowledgement of the feeling of what you need in listening to that so how are you nothing is encouraging you to listen to what you need versus seeing what you want and picking one and then you're going on all these dates and then you're just seeing the picture in front of you and like it's not equating but like there is no listening to yourself going on or being promoted and people get so disconnected from their gut instinct too they can't they ignore themselves so much. 
I've seen this happen a lot. Actually, this has happened to me like in, in a bad relationship, for example, like your partner tells you A, B, or C different thing. Um, and your gut goes, no, this isn't right. Let's say your boyfriend lied to you. This isn't right. But you want to ignore it because you want you want him to be great. You do that enough times and your gut is going to be pretty quiet. And when it's screaming at you, you might not hear it. And it's not dissimilar with going out on a million. Because ultimately, I mean, I'm a big practicer of TM. Mm. And my meditation teacher uh, constantly is is talking about how our brains are innately drawn to something more satisfying. Like if you're in a room and there's a jackhammer on one side and a classical music playing on the other side, you're gonna listen to the classical music more because we innately are, want to be drawn to something a little bit more soothing and satisfying. The human, people want to connect with one another. People are lonelier and more depressed than they've ever been. We're in a global pandemic. Everybody is so lonely and confused and misunderstood. And it's just interesting because I I keep, I guess, hoping that there will be this sort of awakening from this. And I think on maybe on some levels there will. Um, and then I'll speak to male friends who are still doing the same old song and dance. And I don't know, if we go back into lockdown, I just can't imagine having someone that you just met online who you don't have a lot to talk about with who maybe looks good in a photo but doesn't have a lot going on with connection that's not an interesting prospect to be in lockdown with you know yes this is very much i have primarily male friends as well who um have they their kind of lives prior to the pandemic were anchored in like going out and being like Mr. Right dude, like goes at all the parties and dresses the best and like has the cutest girl. And like, they're just like such outward beings. And I'm like, that's great. But like, <laughs> come COVID, not so fun. There are a lot of people, I'm even noticing this with close friends. Like there are a lot of people who aren't comfortable sitting with themselves. And I, and I, and I can say going into this thing, my biggest gratitude is that like, I've been a loner my whole life. I was this. Um, all that to say, I mean, sitting inside my house for nine months and for a deadly virus to many people. Um, yeah, like it's incredibly difficult, incredibly lonely. I'm my yeah. I hope that, and I also think, by the way, the world is so deeply ill-prepared for the mental health crisis that is about to happen when they decide to tell everyone to go outside without their masks on. Oh my god, that, but also, like, I think it's interesting how we're talking about, like, how this pandemic is so bad for people because, like, loneliness, everyone is, like, lonelier than they have ever been, but, like, before COVID pandemic, loneliness was the, is the big pandemic. Like, forget COVID being a pandemic. Like, loneliness is, is the pandemic, and it was, it's been happening far before COVID. Especially in the last 10 years, because the, the ultimate truth is, uh, I mean, creating systems where we constantly are connected makes us lonelier than ever, because people used to 
have to fill their times. And ha I have a real issue with flaky behavior um, just because I've lived in LA on and off for many years. And um, oh God, I suddenly feel really bad about like the million times we had to yeah. reschedule this podcast. I, I'm a good big fan too. I mean, people who don't show up for one another. Um, I'm, a, I'm a shower upper. Don't worry. I'm <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's interesting sort of watching how much less reliable people have had to become because of the the constant access and that I think is sort of the planting seed of this loneliness pandemic and it's tricky and and I think it is because I mean at least as a non-American like because America is like the epicenter it's more prevalent everything is heightened everything's bigger in America you know um it, it's drastically different. And I can say it because I spent two and a half months in Canada this summer and I saw firsthand what a country who has a capable government that they listen to and genuinely listen to and respect changes during a global pandemic. Um, and it's tricky to explain to American friends because we're not through the woods here and, and it's not that there aren't spikes happening in other places, but people are much more responsible. There's a sense of joy. There's a sense of community and people being in it together. Whereas in American culture, classically, there's this massive sense of individuality and being thinking the other is evil or being afraid of the other, which is why there's are so many race issues or LGBTQ issues or there's just a women's issue. The women's issue in this country, I mean, just no one talks about, I guess, anymore because there are other things that are important, but like it's massive, the disparity between men and women. Um, and I also feel like the women's issue now um, become like, it's no longer, it, I think that we never got past like the big picture issue uh, needing more attention, but it was sort of moved on from and became a lot, it like kind of bottlenecked into like very specific, like right now, I think there's a thing like women, like a, like a sexualization and like model thing with the women, like the, dis the dialogue around women's issues right now is particularly around like women in entertainment, actresses, musicians, models. It's like a very small percentage of women but like which is like totally like yes I believe in dialogue around like the over sexualization of like women in in the industry and like and them being advocated for and them being able to advocate for themselves and like their rights and then also like with like the size and like body weight thing with modeling like there's it, all of these conversations are so necessary but I think they've kind of like this like small facet of the women's issue discussion has overshadowed the big picture and like the majority of women that the conversation still needs to be happening for them as well. Absolutely. And also it's, it's similarly to the sort of therapy things we were talking about earlier is this stuff just goes so far back to childhood. I was reading something recently where essentially it was just saying, you know, 
reason men are sort of tend to be and this and I don't want to overgeneralize when it comes to men because obviously there are so many different types of people but men are told from the time that they're young that they're smart and they're strong and they're tough and they can do anything they want um and they should go out sort of make a mess of the world and from from the time little girls and I'm and I've watched this with my nieces even um time little girls are born they're just told they're pretty and they put a pink bow in their hair and uh and it's interesting because my mom didn't really raise me that way she kind of wanted to raise me exactly the opposite she made sure I was a very useful I it was always really important that I could do I could cook and I could hammer a nail and I could sew and I could and so it's people now are like what do you mean you can hand sew anything it's like that doesn't even it's not a it's not like a talent. It's just an extra skill that I learned. But because we're told all of these things as young girls, our validation from our loved ones is, "I'm you're pretty, you're pretty, you're pretty, you're pretty. Mm-hmm. And then you turn 11 and 12, and you whether it's hitting puberty or it's stopping being appropriate, you stop hearing it every day. And the interesting science behind social media is if you really look at it, all it is is grown women just wanting to be told that they're pretty. Um, and it's interesting because what you're doing is so much more important than that. What I'm doing is so much more important than that. My value in life comes from making work that affects people, whether it's making clothing that makes women feel good or putting out a poetry that people can connect to and say, oh my God, I didn't feel so alone. It's all about connection and yet at the end of the day, someone can look at a social media page, sort of bring it full circle and go, oh, well, that person seems shallow. Mm-hmm. Be told they're pretty, whatever, when it's so much more complex than that. And it's, it, we're essentially put in a society, that especially with social media now, that we're doomed to fail in. It's really a difficult system to break out of. Yeah. It definitely is. How, um, yeah, it's so crazy to think about. So after you moved, so when you moved to New York, you were 16 and obviously like none of this social media shit was an issue yet. Yeah. I'm sure there was like a MySpace. (laughs) So I was the first, uh, college year, you know, Facebook was created for college. Yeah. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the first college year of Facebook. So, uh, Mm -hmm. and I, because I was going to school in America, uh, Facebook didn't exist in Canada. So I was like the first year they were testing it on. And, uh, I remember someone saying, Oh, if you're going to school in the States, you've got to get this thing called Facebook so you can check out your classmates. And I downloaded it and used it for a minute and then deleted it because I didn't really understand it. I just wanted to check if I was like, I don't know, I think probably going to school with any weirdos or something. Yeah. Like that. Um, and I didn't really ever, use, I don't think I've ever really used it again. I don't even know. <laughs> I've used it, I'm sure, moments to like for music stuff, but for the most part, I don't really use it. Um, but yeah, I was in New York for five and a bit years, and then where did I, you go to school? Went to the new school. I went to Eugene Lang. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, I loved it. Honestly, it was great. I worked the whole time I was in school, and I didn't have a lot of friends in school. I never lived in a dorm or anything. Um, How are you? What were you doing for work? I was assisting a stylist. Oh, nice. 
And then by the time I was in my last year of college, I had started my company. So I graduated college with like a full time job and a running company that I. What was your company? I had an accessories company uh, for years called Little Doe that I sold two years ago. Oh, you sold it? Yeah. Nice. And uh, eventually I'll go back to fashion, I think. Um, but I've always done music and fashion and writing. Um, I graduated with a degree in poetry and double majored with poetry and indigenous poetry. And uh, even even 10 years ago, pre-social media, I will say like, I'd spent four years studying poetry um, and it wasn't an option to become a poet. My parents, what were you doing? So social media has been wonderful for female artists that way because now anyone who's in, informed could probably name two or three successful female poets who are making a decent living, even if it's just the same three, that, that enough, the fact that Rupi Kaur is like on Jimmy Fallon, like that's huge. You know, like that wouldn't have been a thing. Um, anyway, so yeah, I've always done, I started songwriting professionally from the time I was 19 or 20 and um, kind of just always balanced those things um and music hasn't been as I guess just as natural of a road for me like I've always done it and toured a lot and put out records and played a lot and I've um but fashion just fell into my lap like I just got really lucky and I created a product that people wanted um and it happened like that you know I was lucky and music has been slower. Music especially, I mean, I think it's the perfect example of us talking about feeling like an outsider. Um, because everyone I know is a musician and most people I hang out with are musicians, but I've never felt like I was welcome or a part of some community. Mm, that's interesting to hear. It's also interesting that like, I feel like right now um, we're going through this thing where like, younger and younger people are garnering fame in their chosen profession really quick. And like, I experienced this with, like, I'm, I love photography. I've always been really interested in it. And I, um, before I like all of a sudden made this switch to doing, like I started this podcast just to sort of a side thing, but now I've decided to go back to grad school and get an MFT and become a therapist. It's like my new thing that I'm doing, which is super, super weird for me because I was always like working in galleries um, and I knew I was like going to be a photographer. I wanted to be a fashion photographer and it was my thing and like I still do it um, and I love it so much. But when that was my – before I'm kind of like I found actually in the last like couple months that I made this decision of applying to go to grad school and doing this um, – working in the field of mental health professionally, I kind of had this really big, like, I felt this like kind of elongated sigh of relief because I feel so like, I'm such an insular nerd. Like it's just my personality and the fact that I can like put that to use doing something that's going to be an amazing career for me is wonderful. Um, one of the, and like that doesn't take away at all from like the passion I have for photography. I love it, but something that I was really grappling with and like struck a lot of panic in me when I was like, solely focusing on that being my full thing nothing else was I was looking at these like other 22 year old fashion photographers who like had hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram and were like 
being hired to like go on the boat for like Kendall and Kylie's birthday and photograph it. And they're like, Kim is Kim Kardashian's hiring them. And like, they're like photographing for like love magazine and Vogue and like, and where up like ID and like every like fashion is embracing them and famous people are embracing them. And like there I was with my like formal education in photography and like passion since I was little, but I was like, no one sees me over here. literally so difficult and it's so easy to compare ourselves because I mean I've experienced that for years friends friends that played in two coffee shops and then got massive record deals and were putting out records at 21 when I was like peddling my songs through through the country and um, never feeling good enough even though I worked just as hard um maybe I I don't know what it is and what's interesting also Um, at least that I've learned is, you you know, I come from the, as big of a music family as you could come from. I was raised with incredible, huge musicians. They're all family to me. My, my own father was like really high up in music. And so people assume, what I've come to learn is that the people who you think need the least help more often need the most help than you think. Mm-hmm. Everyone always assumed, like, oh, if she wants some big career in music, she can just have it. Um, but that's not the case. You know, I'm sure people probably assume something similar for you. Well, she's beautiful. She's young. She's from LA. She can really have it if she wanted it. And it's just not that simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it's a. I don't know if there is a, some formula or what there is, but. Maybe that there's just lucky ones. Maybe there's people that hustle harder. But but I know people who have not hustled. Actually, you know what? Even when it comes to love, like you might meet someone who goes on 800 dates and can't find love. And then you might walk into a coffee shop and meet the love of your life on the first day. I don't know what the rhyme or rhythm is, but it feels unfair. Yeah. 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 It feels unfair. And additionally, it comes back to people whoring themselves out on the internet if they want to. I get really, it's not my artistic language to sing into an iPhone consistently. It feels really uncomfortable. And I love to perform. I actually like performing more than any other aspect of making music. Um, It feels so uncomfortable for me. It feels like Warholian. And I mean, it's essentially like staring at yourself in a mirror while you do the, the thing that you're not supposed to see yourself do. It's very deeply uncomfortable for me. And yet I, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, every musician that everyone's ever heard of was like constantly singing into their iPhones. Yeah. And when so I know and consider peers and play music with, we're doing it like like every day or like every other day. And I'm sitting here going like, okay, firstly, am I not good enough or hardworking enough because I'm not playing this game? Are they succeeding because of it? Because that's the tricky thing. It's similar, I mean, this is on an artistic level, but similarly to if you're gonna post a photo of yourself in jeans and a t-shirt, but the girl next to you is gonna post a photo of like her bare body in a bikini, she's probably gonna garner more attention so you just hope that the quantity over quality thing shows through, like ultimately your work 
from a, some sort of a heightened um, emotional depth will be more appreciated than photos of Kendall and Kylie on a yacht or something like that with my music. But it's tricky, yeah. so tricky to level with because even artists that I deeply admire, it's just, and it's not, it's just come easier for them um, or differently. It's interesting um, because like there are so many, like when I was doing my photography a ton, like I'm, I'm still doing it a lot, but when I, uh, I was in New York like last summer and I was doing a lot of more work and I w- met with um, Pamela Hansen, who's like a really amazing fashion photographer. And we just have, we happen to have a few mutual friends. And so I got to, I like went into her little, like her home and studio and like, or not her studio, it's like her offices. And we kind of like sat down and she's somebody that like really, has expressed belief in my work, which like felt so amazing to me because she's always been my absolute favorite female fashion photographer since I was like a tiny child looking at my mom's books. Um, and I kind of, I asked her, I was like, okay, what do I do? Because I really believe in my work, but I'm, it's really hard for me to not compare myself with these like digital age, young 20 something fashion photographers who are like killing it on Instagram uh, how do I not compare myself and how do I not give, like, how, what do I do? Like, I am somebody who's really motivated, so I wouldn't give up on my passion just because of comparison, thank God, because there are a lot of people who would. Um, but, like, what, how do I have any faith that, like, my work will prevail? And she was like, no, 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 you just need to, like, keep doing what you're doing, have faith in your practice, just keep going. The Instagram bullshit doesn't matter. And just like, that's not lasting. It doesn't have longevity. Just keep doing your work. And if you produce quality work, it'll catch on. And that's going to be what has longevity, which is like so nice to believe. And like, hopefully it's true. But also the scary thing is we have no vector for seeing or history for like seeing that that works out. We don't know. Like the Instagram success people could be the ones that end up successful. That, um, and the people that may prevail from sort of playing the long game, they might be few and far between too. It's really a tricky, everything's so unknown right now because we're in so many firsts. Um, and it's just such an interesting, there is no, there's no other time like this time, you know, like it's interesting. And um, these sort of unabashed, thing that people have of putting themselves in front of opportunity. Um, I'm not that person. It mm. sounds like we're not that person. Um, I don't feel, I'm, I'm never going to meet someone and go, Hey, I'm a musician. Listen to my music. It's not yeah. my, but I know people who do that and it works for them. Yeah. They're probably more successful because they have no shame. They just are there and they want to put it out and they want, and, and there's a lot of that and that's sort of, Social media is just like a greater version of that. Um, there's a beautiful Patti Smith speech that I'll, I'll send you after this that I come back to whenever I'm feeling like, what the fuck am I doing with I my life? I love Patti. She's incredible. Um, and she has this speech called Advice to the Young that I watch probably once a month. And she essentially says, um, we don't make work as artists to be successful. That's the, the truth is. 
you know, even though we want to be successful, you know, we want all of those things and it's wonderful when the people embrace you. It's not like punk rock not to be successful. Um, we make it because we have to. And she's a perfect example of it. She goes, sometimes I'll put out a record and 20 people will buy it. And then I put out a book and a hundred people buy it. And then I put out a record and for some reason, 50,000 people buy it. Now, because of the algorithms, I think we're taught that any system can be tricked. Mm. But I talked to my parents about it, who both worked in music, and they're like, it's the fucking Wild West. Like, no one really knew what was going to go and what wasn't. No one really knew, like, Zeppelin was going to be, like, the big band. Like, they, it could have been one wrong turn and they could have not. Now, because of science, we are ending up with bands like Greta Van Fleet, who are, like, just carbon copies of authenticity. How crazy. But they're successful because they figured out how to work around this sort of system. And I do believe that that, that that style of Instagram photographer, whether it's like people shooting shit on drones or TikTok stars or whatever, uh, that's not, that's, it's, I just tend to, I have like a real chip on my shoulder about inauthentic people, so. You have to watch this Vice documentary. I forget what, I think it's on Netflix, it's on Hulu or Netflix, but it's a Vice, like, short documentary about K-pop. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And, like, the factories that produce K-pop bands. It's not, it's, like, if people think that, like, The Voice or something is, like, a little machine for, like, putting together bands, like, oh, One Direction, what a beautiful, like, thing that, like, Simon Cowell did. Oh, no. In, in, the K-pop thing is, like, these, it's, they're, like, K-pop cloning labs where, like, these thousands of, like, of people go through this like boot camp that like conditions and grooms these people and turns them into like K-pop slaves and even these like very well to do like these famous now like Blackpink or these K-pop bands like they live the lives of like robot like they are human algorithm products. It's true and it ends up working and it I totally mean, works. <laughs> these days like the I guess it depends what your measurement of success is like these days I mean, my, for my life, my measurement of success is authenticity. I'd rather someone be the not kind to me, but be truthful mm. than lie to my face. Like I, and 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 it, I, I'm overly sensitive to it because I find people dance around the truth too much, just as is. Like think about how I can't remember who I was talking to about this, but think about how interesting life would be if just for one day people said what they felt well it's hard too because now with like with instagram like i feel like our lives is an act of dancing around the truth instagram is dancing around the truth good god yeah like imagine if you just went on a date with someone and then you went you know what this really isn't for me and you seem nice but there's really not a vibe here so i'm gonna go before we even order our appetizers because your nose is weird or because I don't like the way your breath smells or because I just don't feel any pheromones toward you and I know that we're not going to sleep together or whatever. (laughs) Why don't, like, it's harsh, but I mean, I was raised with two really tough parents and three very tough brothers as, and I'm incredibly soft on the inside and quite tough on the outside because of it. But yeah, like, why not? Why I don't know why when the truth became so dangerous thing i mean 
I've always, and I'm sure like it sounds like you grew up with a pretty with like pretty like bohemian parents as well. I grew up with like a total. My mom is my best friend, and she's like a total hippie lady. Like I love her, and she is just like I think the thing that like anyone will say is the best quality about my about my mom is that she's just so authentically herself and there's no but like she's like an LA lady but there is like no bullshit going on like she's who she is and she's the child version of herself and she's the grown-up version of herself and she's just like her life story in a human and it's like unabashed and totally just brazen and amazing and she like likes what she likes and she does the things that make her happy and like she raised me in in that way like there was no kind of like she gave me the most lovely beautiful like magical whimsical childhood but it was deeply grounded in a sense of reality and honesty and like I was it was like me my brother and her my they, my dad and my mom split when I was two and um but I grew up prim- so I grew up primarily with my mom and my brother and we were just this like little teeny tribe of three people and the whole like ethos of it was like it's the three of us we're gonna get by on like honesty and truth with each other and authenticity and like this is our little clan and like we need to protect each other and like be honest with each other and I think that it's made me into this person that like I'm just somebody that's like so deeply like connected to my time on earth and I really recognize it as something that's like very sacred and like not worth wasting and I think about it in that sort of like detached way a lot where I'm like "Mm, this is my little bubble of time and like I'm just naturally very deeply uncomfortable in situations that feel inauthentic and like a waste of time I'm like um like to a fault like I'm incapable of small talk yeah (laughs) obviously me too like I started this podcast and people come on that I haven't met and I'm like what's most embarrassing to you about yourself and they're like uh and I'm like my eating disorder like I'm just like I don't have any time to waste like and I can't um I'm like like I genuinely can't I don't I can't do it I can't it very quickly for me I'll be like so the weather like I don't it's so deeply uncomfortable but but I'm if I sit one-on-one with someone I can talk for seven hours about anything but some people can't do it people are not comfortable enough to do it you know yeah there's a lot in our society of people that are overly private or scared or not comfortable to talk about themselves and I'm immediately like so tell me about your life Mm mm-hmm I'm that way too and like something with your your thing about like honesty and like if people could just like live in an honest way and like say things that are uncomfortable but they're true and they're not wasting anyone's time I have a lot of like I don't have a ton of friends in general like there aren't a lot of people that I consider to be my friends I have a lot of acquaintances but my friends are like far and few between (laughs) like little uh but it's funny because like the people that are my really close friends uh notice this thing about me where like like we'll be in social situations and leave and like a lot of the time they're like you're kind of like you were really like cold to this like did you notice this person you were a little cold to this person and I'm like no but if I don't like that's not an intentional thing but if I don't like energetically like vibe with someone it's not that I'm like going out of my way ever to be like cold or dismissive or aloof ever. That's just not in my nature. But I just like don't see people who like aren't on my level of 
like, like I just like it's not that I'm being aloof and like intentionally being like too cool for school it's just like I don't like I don't see it like I see people that I'm like oh kin like you can I'm exactly the same and people often think it comes off as let it be arrogant let it be disinterested let it be holier than thou let it be just bitchy which like I've gotten more times than I can even tell you which is interesting growing up my so my best girlfriend of I can't even tell you how many years I think since we were seven years old she and I are I mean we're gonna like die notebook style side by side. <laughs> he's like I, I've never worried too much about love even though I love being in partnerships and she's the same because like that I found my person like she yeah kindred in ways that I can't explain um when we were growing up everyone always used to think that I was the bitchy one she was she was the kind one because she's super loud mouthed and outgoing and I am more reserved and to myself mm-hmm. and then know us and be like oh chase is like the kindest so sweet and thoughtful and cassia is like not she's like brazen and like harsh and like will tell you exactly how it is if she doesn't care if it hurts your feelings like she's amazing and that's why i love her but she's not outwardly sensitive her sensitivity all exists like deep 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 within her and it's just so interesting i see it happening with my dad my dad's in his 70s now and um I don't know. I guess you get a hall pass once you're in your 70s to say whatever <laughs> you want. And I'll see him saying, we were at a dinner, um, but I want to say like a year or so ago, and someone walked up to him and said, hey, if I had known you were coming, I would have asked them to seat us together. And he said, if I would known you were coming, I wouldn't have even came. <laughs> oh my God. What's wrong with you? You can't talk to people like that. <laughs> like, I don't care. I'm 72. Now, when am I going to say it? And and he's very that person, which is funny because my mother is like, sounds not dissimilar to your mother. She's she's very individual. She's I've I've literally never met someone with a light inside of them the way that she has. Uh, the word enigmatic doesn't begin to describe it. People meet her and they're drawn to her, and I don't have that. My brothers don't have it. I've never seen. My friends, my adult friends meet her and immediately are like, oh, yeah, I don't need to hang out with you. I'll hang out with your mom. Yeah. yeah. Every single one of my friends in New York hang out with her when I'm not around. She's very special. Special, special woman, but she's like a heart on a sleeve and very kind, just innately. Not like, Would never be bitchy to anyone. Um, and it's interesting just she has a thing where she's quite content to entertain small talk and she can hang out with anyone and I'm so disinterested and and just can't I know a lot of people I've met enough people yeah. and I've seen people but yeah I, I'm not comfortable at a party I'm not comfortable um just like at a, at some dinner that's socially around people that I don't have things to talk about with it's not even about having anything in common one of my mom's best friends is a painter in Canada who I find he's just like an endlessly fascinating and wonderful character he's super chic and super talented and he like married his college professor who was she's 20 years older than him and oh love yeah because she wears like little sweater sets and like chain smokes and swears like a sailor and they're just amazing and he's like eight 
60 and she's probably 80. Like they're just cool. Yeah. And cool. Has always just been like a real wellspring of life knowledge for me. And he said, um, as an artist and a creative person, as soon as you accept the fact that you're always going to be the loneliest person in the room, everything will become easier for you. And that was just the truth is like, I, I am very in touch and in, with my loneliness because it's not a negative thing for me. It's interesting how that, like that understanding and that acceptance then becomes your greatest friend. And then you're like in turn less lonely. Yeah, I'd rather go to a party and sit in the corner by myself than have small talk with someone. Yeah, it's interesting because also, like, the level of comfort that that acceptance, especially being people that grew up in, like, New York and L.A. and, like, around all these people that are super social and, like, know how to work the room in, like, the most, like, awe-inspiring way. Yeah. Yeah, Like, I definitely have found so much – and especially being somebody that like my great dream was like to be a fashion photographer and I wanted to like do the fashion week thing and be around fashion people and like really do it. And like, I, it didn't feel like there's, and then also like in the art world, I was like, I worked in an art gallery in like a contemporary art gallery here in LA all through college and then was going to go and work at Sotheby's and the art dealers that I knew, young ones that were killing it, were, like, this level of, like, entertainer and schmoozy person that, like, I just couldn't, like, in my mind, I was like, oh, this isn't you. Like, this isn't natural for you. It's not you. And the more I fought it, the less good I felt and the more anxiety I felt. And then when I kind of really leaned into accepting the fact that, like, I am who I am. And I'm, that's when I started doing things that were so important to me. Like I would have never like done this podcast if I had kept pushing and like fighting against that gut feeling and doing this like career path. Cause it looked like it made sense and like looked cool on paper. And now like I'm about to have this other, I mean, like I'm still 24 and anything can happen, but like I'm planning on now having this other career path uh that's like so much more resonant with me and I like and then it naturally like I just fits more I think when you listen to yourself and when you accept your like inner true 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 self that might be like a little bit weird to accept especially being like kids that come from like LA whatever I think when you accept yourself like life becomes so much more natural yeah, but you could also be, you know, that's the beautiful thing I think that I'm learning in life consistently because as women, we are taught that we have an expiration date. Yes. Oh, yes. Which is like a whole other thing. That's like, we could have a whole other podcast about it. It's so insane. And I'm learning it because I'm about to be 33 next week and I am, you're never where you thought you were going to be. I thought I was going to have kids at 22 and be married and have all these things and have a career and be basically dead by the time I was 30 like what the hell did I know um you can do this whole career in therapy and then you could decide at 34 that you want to have a different career you can decide at 44 that you want to have a different career and it's not something that's taught to us we're taught to like find one thing and stick with it but that's just not normal yeah it's also really interesting because I was talking to my mom about this the other day and it's interesting because uh, we were talking about it's really lovely and like relieving that I got to talk to her about this because she's somebody that like 
I, she's really, since I was really little, she's supported every dream that I've had and ambition that I've had, but she's also somebody that has kind of like been the tough love person who has reminded me time and time again when I have like picked up and then abandoned projects, which like when you're a growing like young person in life, like you're going to have dreams and then realize the dream isn't for you and throw it away. Like it's going to happen. And she was definitely somebody that like noticed that and would bring it up to me and like kind of, I think, without uh, trying to in any way made me feel like a little bit of like a quitter sometimes. (laughs) And so I have this kind of like thing where I definitely look at people who've like identified their career when they were 13, stuck to it. And now they're like 22 year old wunderkinds who are like, they're like the photographer extraordinaire and that's all they do. And it's their like set in stone career. And it's kind of um, made me feel, and I think just in general, like my story aside, people that pick their one thing and stick to it are kind of revered as like masters of their craft. And like, that's the way to really get good at something. And it's sort of like, put in a negative light this idea of being like multifaceted professionally and like I have this thing where like I have a lot of interests I like want to continue competitively riding horses and I love to do photography and I want to like do that professionally and now I'm going to therapy school and like I love it about myself but there's this definite thing in like our culture that looks down upon people that try to do a bunch of different things and makes it like diet that makes it kind of seem like all of those endeavors have to be like, they're like diluted because they're not just the singular passion. No, I get it. I hear that all the time, especially, I mean, I make music and I write and I work in fashion and yes, they're all creative outlets, but like they're all very drastically different jobs that require different parts of your brain. Um, it, It is interesting how sort of letting go of the, of the 1950s mentality, how difficult it is. Because there, it's tricky, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Because there are certain times in my life when I'm so grateful that I was forced to stick something out. Like in college, I was, I was ready to drop out of college after my third year. I, was, I spent the summer in LA, I was in a band, we're making music. And I was like, wait, if I'm gonna, move out here in a year to be in a band and making music what am i going back to school for and i remember calling my folks um and i talked to my dad and he said you know that this isn't i just wish i i'm the first person like in my entire family to graduate from college um and he was like and it's not even about the degree, like I, we're going to stash it in a drawer somewhere. No one's going to really care. And by the way, you're not even going to do anything with a degree in indigenous poetry. <laughs> the backup would have been to go work at a native nonprofit, which was always and likely at some point will be a path for me because I am very closely connected to sort of that entire community. Um, and he was like, it's literally just about a lesson of finishing what you started and feeling the feeling of accomplishment because all three of my brothers had either not gone to college or dropped out of college. My dad dropped out of college. My mom never went to college. Um, and he was like, just, just learn the lesson. So one of us did. And I was like, okay. And I went back and I'm so glad I did because I ended up starting my company and my life took this totally other path that I wouldn't have expected. 
Um, and yeah, music took a backseat for a while or it was delayed to getting the path that I thought I was going to take. But I mean, as a Canadian citizen, you can't exactly go to the American government and ask them to give you a visa to like try and make it as a musician. Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to stay in the country if I didn't yeah. graduate with a job. So it ended up being a blessing and I wouldn't have traded any of it for the world, you know? So it's interesting because I'm, I've quit a million things too, but for somehow there's, I, I, there's like this thing of flipping a coin that I think of a lot is like, if I'm, I'm really, really indecisive. My old therapist used to call it drowning in your abundance. It's a huge problem in our generation where we just have too many options and we can't ever pick because we're like too spoiled um, or like geographical spoiledness. Like we're all between LA and New York and like this week in London. And so we're all, everyone in the creative and obviously I'm talking about a very small privileged bubble, but there is a lot of that. Um, yeah. And, uh, and it's just, if I'm trying to make a decision, I flip a coin and whatever the coin lands on, whatever my gut reacts, then that's actually the answer. So it's like, if I was going, okay, black or white, and then the coin flipped on black, but my gut goes, nope, then I go, okay, it was white. Because it's like, mm -hmm. your reaction to the answer is actually, that what is what works for me. It's just interesting. Um, Are you a Gemini? And no, I'm Scorpio. Okay. Um, oh, my mom is a Scorpio. We get, yeah. I feel like we yeah. both have this, like, the, the decision thing is big for me too. I It's big. I've always been a non-decision maker. My mom used to, there was this kind of running thing where like she would be leaving the house to go somewhere and she'd be like, do you want to come? Like, no. Do you want to, are you sure? No. Are you yeah. positive? No. She'd leave. And then I'd call her two minutes later being like, why didn't you take me? Yeah. And, like that was the thing. That was the no, I get that. Yeah. I get that. It's tricky. It's tricky to know. What I do know is like, at least from my experience is like when I would call my dad saying, Hey, I'm dropping out of college. I'm so sure when I'm sure that's also the thing is when I am like, I am like the most self-assured, like I know this is right. If I'm, I found this in love a lot. Like if I'm dating someone when we're together, I'm like, I love this person. Then we'll break up. I'm like, that's definitely not my person. Like, I'm like very adamant about it. Um, but when he said, I want you to go back because of A, B, and C. I immediately went, yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, and, and if it meant more to me, I think I would have thought more. Yeah. I imagine. Because it's not like I couldn't have done it. Yeah. So what are you doing? How is music going now? And like, what are you working on now? I'm working on a record right now. Um, it's going and it's not going. You know, it's such a tricky time because the project I'm working on now requires a quite a large band. Mm. Um, I'm working on a Motown record right now. So it's oh, a project cool. I've been working on for a year and a half. I am, uh, I wrote with a 70, like two year old piano player named Barry Goldberg, who was, I mean, he was like Bob Dylan's piano player for 40 years and he played with Ray Charles and he played with everyone you've ever heard of. He still is in a band with Steven Stills. He's amazing. And he and I have been writing this project together. It's the first thing I'm ever putting out that I co-wrote. Um, and it's completely different to my last two records. And I'm so excited about it. Um, it's the first thing I am ever playing electric guitar on. It's so much more fun. The songs are 
basically it's a Motown record, but you know, I know, I, but the reason Barry and I decided to work on this project together is because we're both like massive fans of that 1960s girl group sound. The thing is, is with that, I mean, granted Phil Spector comes with his own list of problems, but the music he produced, the songs are so beautiful and the voices are so strong, but the women are so anti-feminist, right? It's like they're constantly singing about like the boy that they can't live without or like <laughs> seeing a boy on the street and like knowing that second that like you're going to marry him and like chasing him around even though he's a bad boy or whatever it is. And so I just wanted to take that style of music and say, what if we made it like deeply feminist, modern music? Like and Nancy, so we're Nancy Sinatra, but like as a bra burner. Yes, basically, oh. basically. So, but as just a modern woman, yeah, like, not that's talk, like a it's a we, metaphor. Yeah, <laughs> we talk, but it is, and that's exactly yeah. what it is. So, um, you know, I'm in the process of getting it made right now. We, I'm going to release it as four separate EPs um, because I want it to be like very mini and digestible. Because I find people, I mean, I am like very married to the um process of making whole full-length records i just prefer it so um it will be a full-length record but it will be released in four little chunks and i want to do one in each season the plan was to release it at the beginning of this year um and then i had label issues which i guess is just sort of the name of the game and the pandemic changed everything so now i'm meant to go record in January. I mean, like a, a quarter of it's recorded now. So I'm ready to put something out. Um, and I, I don't know. I know some people uh, have had like incredible success putting out records during a pandemic. I think from this project that I'm not sure that that's, I think I, I feel like I need to be able to tour it and give it the, the live justice that I, I think it deserves. Um, but it's written. I mean, it, I'm grateful it didn't happen at the beginning of this year because it gave me six more months to go into the studio and write and like really make sure these songs are exactly what I want them to be. And yeah. <laughs> so I'm just trying to figure out. Yeah, I, I, the plan is to record first week of January. Um, and then in the meantime, right now, I'm taking two, I'm taking a music production class because <laughs> I feel like. Um, I mean, as musicians, as as a musician, like I could go my whole life and never learn this stuff and just like, rely on other people to do it for me, but it puts me at a disadvantage. Yeah, for sure. So, um, at least to be able to know how to do it is going to be ideal. Um, and then I'm also writing a country project right now, so kind of doing a little bit of everything, and then just finishing up the poetry book, which. I'm trying to get copies done by Christmas, but it's tricky. But it's what uh, is the poetry? Is there like a genre of poetry, or is it just kind of? Like it's your kind of just yeah, my writing. It's like I guess about love and mental health and anxiety and family and all of these things. It's called Donation Plate, and uh, I've been working on it for I mean like two years, and it's been done. Like I'm done. I'm just literally at the final editing process and figuring out if I want artwork, mm. um, I know that you're supposed to have it, but I kind of just like words. Yeah. So I'm just figuring out like what that looks like next. Um, and 
tr- just ultimately spending every day trying not to compare myself to other people. <laughs> it's like, like, Aren't we all? Artistically is so tricky right now because you just constantly feel like you're not putting enough like sort of quote unquote content out in, in the world. Oh my God. Um, I know. And the amount of time we all, there used to be like, I feel like we all live in a like compare a world of like comparing our like ability to put out content to other to other people's ability and you used to kind of be able to use the excuse of like well I'm like busy like doing actual life and so I can't do but like now we have so much time to be on our media that it's like you have nowhere to hide there's no like rock to hide under there isn't and also additionally but then also it's crazy how quickly I find now that we're I mean, what, seven, eight months into this thing, like how full my days are is like pretty insane. Like just, I mean, I feel like at the beginning I was like, oh, I feel useless. And now I'm like, oh, okay. To even wake up, meditate, take the dog for a walk, do Pilates, get your tea or coffee, go do whether it's writing for me, it's writing. Like I have writing practices that I do in the morning. And then if, you know, help family out with something while I'm in New York, I'm helping my family, seeing them a lot. My brother's about to have a baby. Um, and then I'm doing class and the class I'm doing is like much more all consuming than I expected. I thought it was going to be like some joke of a thing. And I have like a lot of homework, which also is a bizarre thing to sort of, come back into as an adult like yeah. having to do this thing and also it's terribly anxiety inducing because I, I just constantly feel like I'm doing something wrong um to maybe catch up with a friend if I feel like it I mean it's like there's your whole day and I go to bed really early I'm, I'm not like a, especially now I'm not not that I I not that I party a lot anyway but um but these days, like after five PM, I'm just I like I'm just shot. I like oh, don't my, I eat. Yeah. My boyfriend and I go to sleep at like nine. Oh yeah. Like, we like- had dinner at my mom's house last night and it was like nine thirty. We were still there playing like rummy cube and like having wine. And we were like, oh shit, like we need to get hot. We were like struck yeah. with like anxiety that we like weren't in bed yet. Like not yeah, we like we are geriatric. Yeah, no, I, I, me too, and I, and I actually quite like that. Um, do you guys live? Do you guys live together? Mm-hmm. That's so nice during a pandemic. Yeah, it's funny. We like. Um, I've known him for a very long since 2014. Uh, mm-hmm. but we like started. Di- we're like we kind of joke that like there are like wartime couples and like we're a full <laughs> COVID couple. Like we started dating in March, and now okay, like, well there you go. Of- moved very quickly into like but he's he's uh it's funny he, we're like um we were talking the other day about how like you know how like when you're be- with like your best friend like you're not you don't see her I'm sure as like a human being you're just like she's you and like you're one she's not and like we, a person she and, I were just, she and I were just talking about that the other day where someone had said to me like oh Cassia is really beautiful and I was like who what? like what are you also she's all of these other things like what she doesn't even have a physical body to me no she's just like an energy like I yeah. don't we were kind of joking with each other because he was like he actually said he's like I don't really see you as like a like obviously like I think you're very beautiful on this and this yeah. but like you're not like you're like my like I don't see we're we're very we're much like, like kindred like we're yeah, not so that. living with him has been it's been really nice and and easy but yeah it's funny because 
I already am like such an insular person uh, and don't really like, I never liked like going out very much. And it was just like never my thing. It was something I like really had to force myself to do. And now, but I was also never like a couple person. Like he's yeah. my first boyfriend. Like I had many oh things. I had many sure. things with men, with men um, but that like lasted a long time too. But I've never like had anyone that I like told I love you and I called my boyfriend right. and told him. I love that. Um, and now it's just so funny because I've so settled into this like I was already an old person. Now I'm like a very yeah. old. Like I only yeah. like like I spend time with him and my mom and like I don't know. I like go in my backyard and like have a podcast. Like I feel very like settled. In no, it's so nice. It seems like you just figured it out early and you got just got lucky. You know, a lot of people it takes years of like wandering and losing themselves and finding themselves and losing themselves and finding themselves. You know, I mean, it's like hopefully this is it I mean I bet it's it's not hope but hopefully like it stays this is really nice uh I definitely like it took me a while to find my I was a lost one for for a bit and it like was pretty rough but this is nice yeah it's peaceful especially during this time that's the thing is like just lean into my whole sort of experience during this pandemic is just like to everyone I speak to is just like whatever soothing whatever soothes you right yeah what do you need to do do you need to do you need to like eat bread for every meal do you need to like walk around in your underwear all day do you need to like not talk to anyone do you need to constantly call your mom what do you need to do it's fine you know and it's it's interesting how I, I've even been interested even with myself like watching how differently I've blossomed in the midst of this even in the ways that would seem insurmountably tiny to the outside eye where I go like, Oh, well that was like a big win or that was big movement or whatever. Yeah. Um, just like, yeah, whatever soothing. And so it sounds like you've got like a nice soothing situation. It is nice and soothing. It's, it's really, it's a good thing. I think like, what you were saying before, I'm definitely somebody that like spent a long, a lot of time by myself. Like it's natural for me to be by myself. I also was somebody that when I was really going through my, like the depths of my shit for like a number of years, it was like five years that I, yeah, basically like 2014 to 2019, I was like dealing with, I was like in a relationship with myself and my recovering from my eating disorder. And like, I very much knew that there wasn't room for anyone. I like had stupid flings with men and like, they definitely weren't healthy. And like, I had friendships, but like, I was fully in a relationship with myself and got so good at being alone and like in a healthy way. And I cherish that so much. And I think like the, and I, again, like I was never a relationship girl. I like always knew how to be alone and like be independent and I think it's amazing and like I also think the reason why now like I'm able to I don't feel silly or naive in like really appreciating the beauty of like cohabitating with somebody because it's also like the least like as much as like he's my best friend and I love him we are I think that it is as good as it is and as mature as it is because we're so our own people and like he really respects me and I really respect him and like we are so individual and like, I don't, we, it's nice. Cause like, we don't need each other, but like it, we yeah. make our, each other's lives nice. And I think this time is like for people who like have found somebody and they're able to like cohabitate, that is really healthy. But this time is also like, n- 
can I think it it has the potential to be such a beautiful time for people to like really find what it means to like exist with themselves in a healthy way because that'll benefit their future as it has absolutely and then i also think you know that there there's there there's the other side of the coin where like you um we all have friends of that and have ended up in relationships during this time when you're like maybe that won't last or maybe that will last or maybe that's not a match it's all good yeah you know what i mean two people that never would have ended up together or uh, or the big one is everyone getting back together with their exes. That's like been like the huge one, at least in my friend group. That's like the thing because yeah. no one wants to go out and sleep with someone new when there's a d- deadly disease going around. So they go like, oh, at least I trust this one. Like, yeah, all of my girlfriends. Um, it's all good. It's you know, all when, good. Like, when we have to stop wearing masks outside, and I know people are online dating and doing well and do all the things. That's cool too. When we can walk down the street without wearing masks again, let it be 2021, let it be 2022, I don't know. Then you can, like, figure out whether sleeping with your ex was a good idea or someone moving in with someone that they met online yesterday or whatever. It's like, right now, it's just, like, time to soothe a little. You know, it's just, like, yeah. take a bath. Also, like, if you can't, so. like, I'm somebody who also, like, is deeply into, like, meditation and like I've been doing a lot with like energy work and like I'm such a spiritual person but there are days where I'm like I think about doing my meditation practice I've been on a pretty good streak so this doesn't apply at this moment but there have been times where like I think about it and I like go over to my little space and I have my beautiful little like place that's so sacred to me for doing my meditation and then I like look at my heating pad and my laptop and I'm like this it's time for a great British British baking show And uh, this is what I need. And I need to like watch people fail at making like flan and like whatever you need, you know, like literally that's the thing. Cause we get hit like the last time I had a panic attack, it's like I got hit with it cause I just wasn't and then just had to take the whole day in bed the next day, which like, I don't even know the last time I did pandemic or not. Yeah. I just don't, I'm not that person. I'm like, even in a pandemic, I'm pretty active, you know? just getting around and getting things done during the day. Like I, I lead a busy life and uh, I just needed to like, I don't even remember the last time I sat down and watched a movie. Like, I don't know when that was. And it's interesting because every once in a while, I just, you just need to go, this is going to be fine. I'm going to be good. And we're all gonna it's everything's gonna be okay like we're all exactly. like I think it's a practice that I've like definitely implemented a billion times in my life whenever something seems just like impossible or really stressful I'm always just like I say to myself like think about all of the times you felt that like the world was ending and like your life was at a standstill and everything was falling to shit and like do you even remember what the problem was no like everything's yeah. gonna be fine and you're gonna yeah. forget about it because there will be a new problem later and in between yeah. this one and that one there'll be a lot of like good time like it's okay yeah and like how you felt or how you and also like human connection like um i'm finding so much di- so much different value in human connection like even like, I'm so grateful if a stranger talks to me on the street now. Mm-hmm. Whereas eight months ago, I probably wouldn't. I'm just like, oh, my God, you took a chance. Like, <laughs> I, it's Even if it's just 
nothing. It's whatever. You, like yesterday, it's interesting because I uh, mean to come back to what we were talking about earlier. It's like uh, like I was walking down the street yesterday, down Fourth Street in New York, and an older construction man stopped me. I had a mask on. Stopped me and said, I just wanted to let you know that you look like incredibly beautiful today. And I like almost started crying. I don't know if I was overly emotional. I was like, thank you so much because you decided to go out of your way to say it. And walking down the street with a mask on your face, it's it's hard to feel seen in any way, no matter what you look like. Um, It's just people who choose the tiniest moments of kindness towards others in a time like this or a little bit of compassion or a little bit of you know whatever outside of it being some cause on the internet which it's causes are beautiful and people should donate and people should do all of the sharing that they need to do but like a tiny bit of kindness to someone like that's that's the good stuff you know how much does it like just ground you I was outside today um outside my house and I was just like putting something in my mailbox and I was talking to Ben yesterday about how like I so I moved into this house last May Mm -hmm. um but I really like don't know my neighbors like Mm -hmm. I know I I was the same I don't know my neighbors and this woman was like like she I was outside in a bathrobe in like a long bathrobe and like was drinking like I was just like very much like raw Mm -hmm. and like putting something in the mail just to like go back in my house and this little tiny like 80 year old woman comes out of her house and she's like hi I'm Elizabeth I'm your neighbor uh can I talk to you for a second and I was like really me like me please she's like yeah come here and I was like okay so I went over and like stood in front of her house and she was like you know like I knew that you, like a young girl moved in here like a year ago and I've it's always been like a, a really big ho- like I really have always wanted to like make you a cake and bring it to you and spend time with you but like I think you travel a lot because I never see you here and I really would like to get to know you my husband died a year ago and my kids oh live my in San Francisco and I was like oh my god Elizabeth like you don't understand like this just yeah. made, like my spirit like she like healed any any like stagnancy that was going on and like kind of darkness that was happening she just like real human connection like all of a sudden every like in everything that was like going on in my head like wasn't an issue like any like I was like well Elizabeth is my new friend and like she's in real life and she's 82 and I love her and like everything doesn't matter yeah or I mean and also just being like um like if you're not the person to go like okay my I've lived on the same street in LA for six and a half years and I don't know my neighbors because my I just my driveway like um like I drive up into my little house Mm -hmm. and so like I don't park on the street so I don't see anyone ever yeah and I'm also like pretty antisocial as is um one of my very dear girlfriends moved two doors down I want to say two, three, three or four years ago. And she knows everybody on the street. She's on a group chat with everyone on the street. <laughs> They're all best friends. They have dinners that I'm not invited to <laughs> because I'm like, I don't, I'm like, am I like the, the like outcast? Like, I don't know what it is. 
in the beginning of the pandemic, people were just standing on the street a little more. And so I just like tiny bits like would say hi. And even that alone, I was like, oh my God, I'm a person. Yeah. It makes such it makes such a difference. It's just so interesting. Um, and I believe, I mean, I'm like quite hippie about this stuff, but I believe like the re I believe people come into your life cosmically and for reason. And I sometimes think it sometimes takes like, we've all had the, those people who like orbit us for a long time. Mm-hmm. I have one or two people in my life like that now where they're constantly showing up in different ways, whether it's, um, that you go to you, you go to the same coffee shop one day and then two weeks later you're uh, at the same bookstore or or this friend had dinner with them the day before you had dinner with them or whatever it is it the I I do believe that that kind of stuff like always ends up meaning something um, but sometimes it takes years to find out how or why whether yeah. it's whether it's like a chain reaction that they're going to end up getting you the best job of your life or you're going to end up finding them the love of their life or you end up being madly in love one day or and the timing was just weird or whatever it is but it's interesting cuz when people just take the chance to reach out it's so rare and refreshing that it do, it feels like the beginning of a chain reaction or something to me yeah like, and i've always yeah, totally. And like that kind of connection is like, I've always so, and like, I think this is also why, like, just so the whole social media thing, like, is constantly a little bit of a struggle for me is that like, I love like human, like, as much as like there are a lot of like humans that I don't really like gel with in person, and I'm mm-hmm. like, eh, okay, like, I just, we're just, I can tell we're like not on the same page. Right. I feel a connection with so many more people that I don't feel a connection with. Like I really, I love finding connection with people. And I think this is why like, I genuinely feel like so good in doing like this kind of thing. Cause it gives me an excuse to like reach out to all of the people that I've like always wanted to reach out to and have like find connection with, including you. And I just think like, yeah, this kind of thing is like so amazing and like I it always leaves me feeling like so energized and so good and I think that like I wish more people had like this going on more consistently same and also um or just like had girlfriends to talk about it with uh, not on a podcast or whatever it is is it's like just or just an open-mindedness like the thing that the thing that Cassia has always said actually about us is she said she's always said uh, like as best friends, like um, we could walk into a room side by side and she said she'd find something she hates about every person in the room and I would find something I love about every single person in the room because I am so attracted to people. Like I find people so fascinating and so beautiful and I actually don't think, I. you know, people say that there's like that test if you like sat across from anyone and looked them in the eye for like a couple amount of minutes like this it would be impossible for you to feel to not feel some sort of love for them it would take me like 30 seconds like I think people are amazing Mm. you know and so it's like just being even given like a tiny window of opportunity into talking to people or getting to see someone else's life like I do this exercise when I take the subway in New York pre-COVID which I haven't yet but um where I sometimes just like find myself sitting on the subway and like looking at other people and thinking about how their life is their entire 
is this entire universe that and they've never even heard of my stupid existence oh my god yes and I i'm have... like i wonder where they're going and who they're who, are they feeding their cat after and are they having sex with their girlfriend and are they eating pasta or vegetables or and what are their problems and what are they stressed about what's their boss like what's their mom like are they broke are they rich what like their whole it's this whole universe that doesn't involve my all-encompassing life that is the biggest thing in the world to me Totally. I had this thing happen when I was like, it was like my first, uh, like a epif- big, epif- like life epiphany that I had. I think I was like, I must've been like six or something. And I was walking on the third street promenade with my mom in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. And I looked around and I was just like, holy shit. Like all, of- and I remember it so clearly. It was like all of these people to me walking, like I'm here with my mom. This is my whole universe. I know my my people and I spend time here and here. And like these random people on Third Street Promenade seemed to me like until I was like, I realized that like until that moment that and like even still in that moment, they all just seemed like filler people that like the the world had like put in my movie to make the world- They're like extras in your life. Yeah, to make the world feel full. They're like just the people. There's me and then the people. And then I realized that, like, I'm at that extra to that person. Like, I'm just yeah. a random passerby. Yeah. And it's, it's so crazy. Or, or people's value in others. Like, um, you think about, it in, in, think about it when you're dating or in relationships. It's like, or even in friendships. Um, like, I feel like I, you see this a lot where... A girl might have a crush on a guy and she might reach out to him to hang out and he might say, oh yeah, totally. Let's hang out. Um, maybe he blows her off. Maybe he ghosts her, you know, maybe they sleep together and he ghosts her and it's, she is so broken and he didn't even consider it. The, the value sort of point system that we choose to hold or not hold other people at is it's interesting because it's so differing for so many people, whether it's like, if I called you my best friend, but I'm not your best friend, I'm going to get my feelings hurt probably a lot more because you wouldn't prioritize me that way. You know, and it's interesting because I do, because I do believe things in like sort of a little bit of a hippie way, I know at least in my experiences in life, like really true rare chemistry, like romantic chemistry, friendship chemistry, um, it, it, it has to go both ways. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So if you're, if you're sleeping with someone or whatever, they don't call you back. It's like, that's one thing, but really true. Like I even remember playing music with a musician years and years and years ago. And we were, both in relationships um, because I spent my twenties fully in relationships. And, um, and I always felt like, Oh, I just feel like there's a cool spark there. We always would end up at the end of the night, just chatting all night, the two of us and my boyfriend and his girlfriend would be like over there. And I was always like, Oh yeah, there's gotta be something there. But I never was interested in exploring. I just went like, there's something more. And then years later having a conversation about it, and it was like, oh my God, of course there was feelings both. There are nothing was ever explored or needed to ever be explored. It was more about learning that I wasn't wrong, you know, and that, mm-hmm. and that like, 
usually if you feel something that intense and powerful, someone else does too, because human connection is that powerful. And we just have been numbed to it because it's become societally acceptable to ghost people yeah. or whatever it is. Um, and I'm by no means perfect. I mean, I've dated and made mistakes and such, but it's, uh, it's interesting. Like, yeah. How, just how sensitive we can be to all that. How sensitive and also how desensitized, like the, you, we are on the other hand, whether, it, oh God, yeah. whether it's like accepting it where it's like, we're conditioned from like being a young teenage girl. I was so conditioned to be like, okay, like it was all in the boy, like the guy that I liked court like it was like oh yeah. how is he gonna treat me and like then that but it was all up to him and I was just yeah. meant to like do as best as I could to like be the part like the thing that I thought he wanted and then yeah. wait and see and it's just like we're all humans like we're all the same like you know I don't know I just feel like at the end of the day like there's this unspoken language of like people and like this weird game that we all play but then like if we were just like standing together and like looking at each other, we would both be like, come on, like, you know? Yeah. It'd be totally different. And it's interesting because I guess via the internet, via text messages, even like, uh, we're just like so disconnected. Like the amount of arguments I've had with people I'm dating via text message, just because like you said one thing and I heard something different. Yeah. It's crazy, like, we're so disconnected from ourselves, whereas, like, yeah, you sit down next to each other and you're like, okay, well, let's just, like, level with what is happening here. Yeah, it's Um, amazing, like, how much we can, uh, like, how much bullshit can be cut out if we just sort of, like, connect, take the time to, like, really connect with each other with, like, in, like, a real way and just, like, intentionally and not just kind of, like, mindlessly continuing to like feed into this game that yeah and we and we have to also remember that I have to remind myself of this because on sensitive days I feel sensitive you know um I, I have to remind myself that like nobody can reject you if they don't actually know you and it takes like years to know someone yeah so it's like you might go like I used to I just remember when I was dating because I didn't date for a long time because I always had partners and then when I did start dating like I remember feeling so rejected every time something didn't work out like and it just triggers so much of that stuff for us as sensitive people to go oh I'm whatever it is I'm not smart enough I wasn't charming enough I'm too ugly. I'm too fat. I'm too whatever. All of the things that women go through. Um, because those are just the easiest fallbacks. Um, when none of that is true and that person didn't even consider that, maybe they just didn't, it's then maybe they were busy. Maybe they have too much going on in their own lives. Maybe they had sex with someone else the night before and they liked them, you know, whatever it is. Um, they didn't know you, you know? None of of this is you. Like there's a difference between this represents this meaning, like I'm motioning to my face and my body. Like this represents 
your physicality represents at that point and like in terms of the first encounter or the first date that's a vector of like and like whether they call you or not it's like their preference it has nothing to do with you because and it can't be taken personally where like i don't know it's hard not to take that shit personally but like they don't know they don't know you so you're not being rejected it's just like your physicality and your like first impression maybe didn't fit their preference exactly and it's so interesting and we've all had that kind of we've all ended up dating someone that we hated right when we met them (laughs) or we've all ended up being best friends with the girl that was like mean to us in school you know it's like those are the greatest sort of lessons cassie and i hated each other the first like year that we knew each other we're kids but we're enemies you know it's like it's just that's just life you know and you give people second chances i was on the phone with my brother today and he was just screaming i don't know driving and yelling about (laughs) one thing or another because he was sitting in traffic in la and he was talking about some shit from like six years ago and i was like i love you but you gotta just let that stuff go (laughs) you know like do you want to here's here are your options basically like you can pick up the phone and call that person and tell them they hurt your feelings and you'd like to be their friend yeah or or you can forget them i think it would actually be really refreshing if you did the first (laughs) but most people wouldn't and you're definitely putting yourself out there to be rejected if you did i don't know i definitely found in the days when i would would date or was like sort of maybe even looking for my friend group more than I have now. Um, How freaked out people were by like brutal honesty. If you met someone and went like, oh, I really like you. People don't know how to react to that. Yeah, I've definitely, I'm a pretty forward person when it comes to that kind of thing. And like, even still, like I'll look at like a best friend of mine and be like, damn, like I really like you. Like I just see it and they're like, okay, like we've spent every day together. But, like, I luckily haven't come in co- – like, I think because I'm, like, pretty intuitive and, like, I wouldn't say that to somebody that I didn't, like, know felt it too. Yeah. But, like, thank God for the people that can hear that and, like, resonate with me and see that I'm not a psychopath because, like, I'm, there are more people than than not in this world that would hear that and be like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, but we're just – we're just desensitized. Like, the, the thing is, is at the end of the day, at least from my – from where I'm standing like those are the people you want around you know yeah like those are we all try and act tough and we all try and act a certain way to protect ourselves I mean and I I've seen it in such stupid mundane ways even in my own life um but at the end of the day you really just want to be around the people that are like like love you so much they want to punch you in the face yeah (laughs) yeah you know Yes. It's kind of like like the only, and I think about it because of like, you know, everyone I know that that has a pet is that way with their pet. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, that's like that love for that animal. It's so intense because it can't be. I know what you're talking about. We were on the, I was looking at Ben the other day, just like, I I don't know what I was, I was just like staring into space at him, but like at him. And he looked at me and he was like, I just like, you just make me want to like bully you sometimes. Like I just like can't Yeah. You're like, yeah, totally, yeah. a thousand percent. <laughs> but that's kind yeah. of like good. That's like my parents have been together for 42 years mm-hmm. and they're not married. Um, 
because they just have are like weird hippies and they like decided that they want to wake up and choose each other every day and so they did um and they have so much of that stuff in their relationship and it's complicated like everyone that knows them from the outside will constantly say to me oh well that's the relationship i want or that's whatever and they do have a wonderful relationship but from the inside it's very real and flawed and nuanced and very difficult (laughs) i've seen them have two years where they hated each other and then i've seen them have five years where they're madly in love with each other and they just stick it out because they just like each other you know but they do stuff like that there's they're constantly their big thing is that they really like to scare each other like jump out of jump out and scare love (laughs) i love that um the light hat's like 72 years old and he'll like like they'll they'll they live in an apartment building in new york city and they'll be like going out to dinner he'll like run to the end of the hall and hide behind the thing so he he thinks she like doesn't know that he's like waiting for the elevator or or she'll like uh like hide under the bed and grab his ankle. Like they go full on about it. I love this. And they think it's so funny. (laughs) But this is the kind of stuff, like this weird shit that like you couldn't tell anyone or show anyone. (laughs) But the second people understand it, it's like, how could you live your life any other way? Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like how could you live your life in any other kind of relationship than just being like the absolute fucking weirdest you could possibly be <laughs> it just doesn't make sense otherwise you know oh my god that's and, so my sense of humor I'm dying. yeah but it just doesn't make sense yeah like all it just doesn't make sense it's like it's just so weird yeah <laughs> it's the it's the only way that you want to well, it's, I don't know it's the only life worth living these days also especially like when the world is sort of so troubled and joyless it's like whatever it is if it's like your stupid dog with bad breath or if it's like you're grabbing your partner's ankle under the bed and like waiting for 20 minutes in the closet to jump out and scare them like my best friends and I do that all my best friend Blake who is Cassie and I's other best friends the three of us is like the king of scaring people (laughs) like he just and I hate being scared (laughs) And my first house in LA was very easy to break into. And he used to break into my house and wait in my closet until I got home for like two hours sometimes. And I'd open my closet and then he'd jump out and I'd like pee my pants. But it's like that, those are the people you keep around. I die. I love hearing this so much because my mom, I've never been like a great scare, but my, and like I've never been inclined to like scaring people, but my mom has always taken like, such great joy in other people's terror like she loves to jump out and scare people and my mom now they're divorced but my mom was married to this woman for like they were together for like five years and it was all through my like young teens Mm -hmm. and uh her name was kim kim was also like not um some that was not a thing for her scaring but (laughs) she like my entire teen years was like, and like it would happen when friends were around. Like my mom would like hide and pop out and scare Kim, and like it was always this weird thing to me. Like, but it's definitely like it. the kind of eccentricity that like I want. In no, yes, it's the, it's the best thing ever because globally, people love people that are very comfortable in their own skin. You know, yeah, that's the most attractive thing you can possibly be. Um, and, and not trying to be too serious or too smart or too any of these things that we're all caught up in being 
it's just like being an idiot and like that's why Cassie and I love each other it's why Blake and I love each other it's why my folks are like I remember being a small child and I've always gotten hiccups like a lot Mm -hmm. and being in my mom's car having the hiccups so bad but trying to hide it from her because she knows that the only way to she thinks the only way to get rid of the hiccups is to scare you really bad and I (laughs) hate being scared so I'd be like covering my whole face and she would do it really intensely where she'd like slam on the car brakes and scream at the top of her lungs and you'd get so scared and then all of a sudden your hiccups would be gone oh my god it's but it's the best you know and my my whole mom's side of the family is is very that way like they're they're like Irish and very um just very twisted sense of humor I love this. Oh my yes. God. This is amazing. I feel like I could honestly, I've definitely like, it, like spoken to a few people on this that I've like never actually met before, but this is, I'm sorry to the other people by far my favorite. <laughs> I feel like I could, spe- it's been two and a half hours at this point <laughs> and I feel like I could just like stay here. Yeah. I feel like we need to have like a variety show. You're definitely going Absolutely. back on here. I'm so happy that we got to do this and I'm definitely going to go right now. Ben is about to come home and I'm going to hide in the closet and scare him. Yeah, please do. Go Um, enjoy. But this has been the best and thank you so much. And I'm honestly like, can't wait to get to know you off of the podcast and have you back back in LA one of these days very soon. Yeah, definitely. And I'm in between here and and New York. um, Kind of consistently. So we'll see each other. Great. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.